Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name's Phil Whelans, and with me, as always, Jim Grant. Hello, Jim. Good evening. Hello. Everything all right? Yeah, very good, thanks. Jolly good. Are you, uh, have you got the Omicron uh, variant of coronavirus? Um, uh, well, I, I hope not. I hope not. Me I've neither. been testing I my, regularly. I had my booster on, uh, on Friday. Felt, right. felt great all of that day, but a bit rubbish the next day. Yeah, I was exactly the same. I, yeah. I had the... Uh, I had, uh, Pfizer booster at the beginning of the month and uh, was a bit gr- like I was a bit felt a bit hungover the next yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I had AstraZeneca first time round and I was proper ill for for uh, like shivering, like I had the flu. Yeah. After that, I was completely fine. I was completely fine for the first two jabs. Completely, not even a sore arm. But uh, yeah, that one. Uh, the rest of I had it early Friday morning. Felt fine, and then Saturday I felt a bit yeah. rank, a bit rank. But then you know, by the end of Sunday, I was completely back to normal and everything's fine. Um, now, talking of the coronavirus, uh, um, as you know, I get uh, emails uh, turn up in my inbox quite often on a Monday morning after we played at the weekend from people within the club and um one turned up this week uh uh you know i only i only sort of read them out when they seem when they seem like they're interesting and here's one um i'll try and i'll try and do justice to the the author of uh of this podcast <clears throat> dear philip david <laughs> sullivan here in these awful times if you are reading this email it means you are alive which is fantastic news <laughs> all lives matter especially black ones, and that's why we kneel down. Sadly, I can't kneel due to hypermobility in my knees. If I try and kneel, my legs look like the back legs of a dog or a T-Rex. When people boo the kneeling down, it makes my blood boil. I remember like it was yesterday when Martin Luther Vandross was killed. He told a beautiful story about a dream he'd had, which he could remember in vivid detail. Back then, people couldn't remember their dreams because it was a drinking culture. But he could, and he was black, and so we kneeled down at the beginning of games. 
I won't apologise for this diversion, Philip. I'm passionate about history, and sometimes the temptation to share my knowledge is overpowering. My favourite era, and the one that fascinates me, is Downton Abbey. <laughs> like you, our defeat to Arsenal made me physically sick. We're at the next level, as we promised, and we can't go back to the bad old days. Like you, we have made our feelings known to David Moyes. His job is on a knife edge. And like you, we have already begun making informal approaches to the agents of various other managers. Slavin Bilic is a possibility. Let's not forget Moyes had two spells here as well. And Bilic got a seventh place before being unfairly dismissed. Like you fans, with whom I have an unbreakable bond, I can't even look at Moyes now. And Jack shat in his locker. We expect an immediate reaction on the pitch. The omnivore variant of COVID has spread throughout football like wildfire. Luckily for West Ham, I've been here before. In 1979, an outbreak of genital warts threatened to close down the adult film industry. There was talk of bringing in the army. Boots ran out of concealer. All seemed lost, but I wouldn't give up. We started hosing down actors with disinfectant between takes and rewriting scripts so that no domestic repair would be a two-man job. For example, when Crystal Valentine's boiler broke down, leaving her freezing cold with all her clothes in the wash, I made it so it just needed the diverter valve replacing instead of a wholesale replacement of the secondary heat exchanger so Crystal didn't have to have actors going twos up on her. During her disinfectant hosing, Crystal said, and I'll never forget this, Thank you, David. In a way, it was a pivotal moment in the Me Too movement, which in a way I invented. Protocols we have in place for the busy Christmas season are as follows. Each team captain to provide own coin for coin toss. Coin to be left on the pitch after tossing and only removed after the sprinklers have been on. Hand sanitizer to be used before throw-ins and goal celebrations. Role of Santa Claus at women's Christmas party not to be played by Kevin Nolan. Kevin is bitterly disappointed as he'd been really looking forward to it. He'd been quintuple vaccinated and he'd had his lap deep cleaned. At a first sign of a new persistent cough, David Gold's head will be remo <laughs> removed and placed in liquid nitrogen. It's a miracle he survived COVID this long and he will be revived when a cure for COVID has been found. Also, the technique for reattaching a human head. With the busy Christmas season, we have a real chance to get back on track and give a solid foundation for whoever the manager is come January. Come on, you irons. Brilliant. Very well, that's, uh, that's, um, <laughs> that's interesting. Funny. Interesting insight. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah very interesting. Uh, I, I've I've seen anti Moy's sentiment in social media. <laughs> have you? Have you yeah. really? It's Bloody time for him to oh. step up. Uh, somebody said on Facebook, and I went, "Yes, that's right." After saving us from relegation, getting us placed fifth the following season. Uh, sorry, fourth the following, sixth the following season, and currently fifth in the division. It is time for him to finally step up. Yeah, pull his finger out. Yeah. And yeah. uh, yes, uh, and um, the discussion went on for a couple more posts before I kind of went, oh, fuck it, you know. Oh, let's let this guy think you know. Yeah, uh, genuinely, genuinely like, like, you know, Moyes is shit. It's, it's time for him to, you know, shit or get off the bucket because he's rubbish. I, I think we've, I mean, we've touched on this a couple, a couple of times that, that I think such was 
people's anti-Moy sentiment when when he came, particularly actually the second time. Um, uh, people like to have their their view. You know, they've, they've eat, people have eaten a lot of humble pie over it, I suspect, and have kind of done a lot of those posts and go, you know, I was no fan of Moy's, but. Um, but I think actually, I think they're, they're quick to revert to their original stance and to enjoy having that stance reinforced by like what they see as empirical evidence. Yeah, yeah. Shit, you know, confirmation um, bias. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, having said that, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, the game last week. Um, it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, let's go. Yeah, um, let's let's come on to that now. Now, now yeah. you went. Uh, I, did. I watched it very intermittently on a dodgy feed while I was kind of a, a few phone calls happened and uh, you know I was cooking, so I had sort of half an eye on it. And uh, I have to say, and you know, the, uh, without wishing to be you know the voice of doom or thing, I thought it was. I thought it was worrying. I was. I was yeah. worried. I, was I, worried. I, would, I would agree. I. I, I I would say it was our worst performance in um, in quite some time. Whatever the result, you know, um, and whatever the kind of uh, vagaries of the refereeing, um, it, it it was a poor performance, and we were we looked um, sluggish. They looked, I have to say, well organised and sharp and on it, yes, and I but, felt yeah. we were second best all over the pitch, even yes, in places where the first from the first half, especially actually, even though it was nil-nil at half time. Um, I just felt, you know, we were lucky to come away at nil-nil in that, yes. in that first half. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I, I felt we were just, we were just waiting to concede. It, it had yeah. that feeling yeah, yeah. about it. And of course, you know, it did come, you know, straight after half time, after he had a kind of chance, that, you know, he expected us to perhaps come out with a real bit of intent <clears throat> in yeah. the second half, and that just didn't just didn't materialise. And oddly enough, I thought we played better with ten men than with eleven. To be honest, we did. Yeah, um, we did play better in the second half. I thought uh, a little bit. Yes, once we went down to ten yeah. men, and we we did. Yeah. And I think we were, you know, I think that I, I think we were so wretched in the first half, and also the goal happening as it did early in that half. Yeah. It did we did finally kind of wake up a little. I think we, you know, but yeah. Yeah. The first half we were really just participating in the game. You know, there used to happen a lot under Allardyce. We, we you, there were a bunch of shirts out there running around. So you could tell we were there, but we were really doing no more than taking part. So defensive minded were we, it's not that particularly that we were sitting back in this game. It's just that we couldn't do what we, you know, have been good at the last two seasons. Um, no, no, I think that's absolutely right. And on, on all, on, you know, all of it, it's worrying as you, it's worrying in the sense that a lot of our high energy players do look as though they've they've you know lost their mojo a bit, lost that lost that kind of um, fornaus. I would I would say um, Suchek, who's been a little bit up and down, um, but but generally this season I think it's been below the level we saw from him um, for much of last season um, against Arsenal, even Bowen. You know, I mean, I, I uh, and, and Rice even. You know, I, yeah. I, so um, I, I'll tell you who I thought had a had a good game and has been good consistently since the coming so is Dior. Yes, um, yes. I thought he yes. was okay, um, yeah. uh, to be fair. 
No, um, I agree. Yeah. Um, we'll get on to specifics in a sec, but I, I um, you know, what compounds the sort of worrying nature of it is that really, apart from the Chelsea game, uh, we've not been playing well for quite a while. No. There's the Wolves game, the Burnley yeah. game, the Brighton game, you know, yeah. uh, and... Uh, you, when, you know, the podcast last week was off the back of the Chelsea win and the very creditable performance of, uh, you know, a youngster-heavy team in Europe. In a, you know, so so you know, the mood in the podcast last <coughs> week was quite was quite buoyant. But it's funny how what a difference a week makes in that now, yeah, in the bigger picture, that Chelsea win really does look like a kind of a blip amongst. Um, form that is that has fallen away to quite a large yeah. degree um and the loss of the loss of the norwich game meant in the opportunity of a morale boosting win you yeah. know went west so yeah i mean you know that chelsea game is that is one win in five i think in the league um you know away points at burnley you know I, I, yeah, there were plenty of plenty of you know uh good teams that that, that struggle to win there yeah um you know, overall, it's you know, in terms of points, it's not, it's not it's not disastrous, but it's not the kind of form that that you you need to maintain a position in the top top six of the of the table. Um, and uh, you you fear that uh, actually in the new year, Tottenham will be better. Uh, Conte, they looked. I thought they should have beaten Liverpool, uh, yeah. and uh, I, I would I would worry about tomorrow, to be honest, depending on what sort of side. They they and uh, they put out. Um, yeah. Arsenal are clearly, finally, you know, they're, they're Arsenal being rewarded for giving Arteta time. I mean, you know, that, that there must have been a lot of unrest, especially when they lost those first three games of the season. Yeah, he must have been close to the bullet. Yeah, um, yeah. But oh, it's like we've said over the years, managers need time, um, and and I think there's a sort of sense in which. The battle for the dressing room at Arsenal. I don't want to talk about Arsenal until then, but obviously the Abamyang thing suggests he's now starting to impose himself on that on that team, and they're starting to listen to what he's he, he's saying. Well, and I mean, I thought know, they were good. I, I was surprised ex- at how good they they're, were. They're extremely expensive. Uh, Portuguese signing Pepe now doesn't start. You know, he's sort of found these youngsters have come through, uh, Saka, Martinelli and uh, Smith Rowe. And, you know, they've earned a place in the team. His, uh, the, the, uh, the Asian guy at right back, you know, was in a way there, Soufal. He seemed to just go straight into the team. Yeah. They obviously needed a right back. He's the right fit. And, uh, you know, Tierney, who we'll come to in a minute, for his uh, duplicitous manner on the pitch. Um, you know, look good. Um, you know, I was trying to sort of think about what it is we're sort of, um, uh, you know, where we're going wrong. And I did I did sort of think, especially Arsenal's goal, made me sort of think of the type of goals we were scoring last season. You know, moving the ball incredibly quickly. Something, you know a ball out from defence by one of our central defenders or Rice, you know, diverted into the path of Antonio by Fournals, then possibly crossed again maybe to Fournals or to a marauding Suchek and put in the net. Fast-breaking football. We never looked like doing anything like that. Um, no, you running know, through 
treacle, really struggling to move the ball quickly, giving the ball away too much, not winning second ball. You know, it really was for the first time in a long while, you know, a performance where you where you felt, well, you know, we we weren't unlucky. We were we were lucky to get away with two nil in that game, I think. And uh you know, that's the first time we've lost by more than one goal in about 40-odd games. So yeah. that does tell you a little bit about, you know, so it, it isn't just the result. It was the performance that was that was the worrying sign. And, of course, you know, we are we are limited in terms of what we've got to come in and kind of challenge and, and, and um, you know, improve the situation, either either off the bench or, or kind of, you know, in a, in a, in a more medium-term way. And I mean, so do you think it's... It means- do you think it's fatigue? I mean, do you think it's fatigue generally? I think there must be an element of that, but uh, uh, but it's also, I think, uh, it must be not just physical fatigue, but also, I think, a kind of staying focused, that kind of that kind of mental level yeah. at which you have to you have to sustain concentration. You know, and that must be a bit of a drain as well. Um, I, d- I don't know. It's difficult. I, th- I think confidence is, has got such a thing. I think maybe confidence has taken a little bit of a knock over the last uh, few games. I, I, it, it must be very hard to put your finger on exactly why they looked to me a bit jaded. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it did, did feel. I certainly think players like Fornhouse don't seem to have the energy that 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 they had. Um, or that we're used to seeing them have. Um, I, I, I'm just wondering, idly wondering, I'm not drawing any conclusions. I wonder whether um, Rice is sort of holding on to the ball a bit more because, you know, he's not in any kind of arrogant way, but he's sort of believing his own publicity and he's going, I'm going to make something happen from the midfield. Um, here comes Sam Delaney. Ah. Still Good. slightly late, uh, but um, um, yeah, I you know I just wonder if that's happening. I was just looking for differences between the team last season and in the sort of you know the the sort of post COVID promotion push, not promotion push, uh, uh, survival push. You know, yeah, um, and you know, s- sort of hitting teams on the break and defending was very much our stock in trade. Hello, Sam Delaney. Hello, Sam. Hi, Phil. Apologies for my lateness. That's perfectly all right. We're sort of we're, we're into we're sort of into the Arsenal game. Yes. Well. First of all, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm very well. Yeah, sort of um, deep inside the sort of restful lockdown Christmas vibes at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Not a sort of just like lounging about, not really knowing what day it is, and clearly not knowing what time it is either. No, no, no. <laughs> And how is uh, your excellent podcast, Top Flight Time Machine, going? You've been doing that, live dates uh, with that. Yeah, yeah, we did, a li- we did a live tour in November. We went yeah, all squeezing over the place. those in. You know, it looks like you got yeah, we that got in just, just in time. In time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it went it went really well. Thanks, we really enjoyed it. Shows in the West End are closing uh, yeah. because they just can't staff them. It's like either the the actual cast of the play or just people in the theatre to you know unlock the doors and uh, sell programs and sell tickets. You know, we did a show. Like, we, we did a show at uh, Leicester Square Theatre. That was our final show. Right. And I was just saying to the bloke there who worked there, um, oh. Uh, how was it for you during lockdown? Like, you know, last lockdown, because I knew it had been obviously particularly tough for that industry. And he went, well, you know, 
in the end, there just wasn't a job. And I said, what about further? He went, nah, not really. I mean, we just... No. I said, so how did you survive? He said, well, I nearly had to leave London. Yeah, yeah. He went, but then I uh, got really into selling Pokemon cards. And he went, and I just um, ended up earning more. So I owned buying and selling Pokemon cards on the internet. Yeah, oh, really? I thought, how very enterprising. Yeah, I don't think he knew anything about Pokemon cards. So it just goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it shows us, but that Pokemon cards, whatever they are, nobody's quite sure. No. Mm. They were massive in uh, the 90s, weren't they? They feel like a 90s thing. I think they're still, still, obviously people are still doing it. I think they're still, yeah. Well, it became a phone-based game, didn't it? Because obviously that uh, Pokemon Pokemon Go... Go was the oh thing yeah people yeah were. people get watch walking off the edges of, of cliffs and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> walking yeah. into uh, wood chippers yeah would walk into yeah, a yeah. wood chipper or under the rotating blades of a helicopter and get decapitated or into large vats of acid in sort of industrial warehouses exactly exactly yeah. mm. exactly um it was a health and safety nightmare it was yeah, yeah. and well, uh, talking of nightmares which is which is a kind of <laughs> yeah. that's a, a segue. Um, yeah. We're sort of into. We've talked a little bit about the Arsenal game. We haven't got on to. Uh, I mean, obviously, in an extraordinary first in football, Soufal was booked and then sent off for simulation, but for simulating fouling someone twice. <laughs> he simulated elbowing someone in the face by, in fact, elbowing them in the upper chest. Yeah. And then he simulated fouling someone by taking the ball off them. <laughs> uh, the, um, although the, the elbow incident uh, happened right in front of me, uh, I was at, it was actually obscured from me. So I was very close to it, but I couldn't really see what had gone on. Um, uh, and I haven't actually, because I hate, I just don't watch things back when we've got beaten. I'm just in such a bad mood. So I haven't actually seen a replay of the incident, but I'm presuming that Tierney made a meal of it. Is that, is that? The, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he just held his face yeah. like Slaven Bilic. That's what it felt like. And the reaction of the players seemed to imply that as well. Yeah. In France, 98, <laughs> uh, when, you know, he did a Slaven mm. Bilic, mm. you know, Tierney went down. He's clearly sort of, you know, the, the, the tip of Soufal's elbow connected with just sort of under his neck, his sort mm. of upper chest, and he went down holding his face. It was just a cheat. It was an absolute out-and-out yeah. out I mean, cheat. Soufal has a, a rough-and-tumble style. I know that um, I know that Moyes wasn't particularly sympathetic to Soufal after no. the game, despite no. the fact that he's now said that the referee... I don't quite understand this, but the referees have said, oh, no, you were, you know, you were hard done by that. I don't know if that means that we get... The, the cards retracted, but Moyes no. claims that he's had a word with the refs and they've said, yeah, sorry about that. It's a complete disaster and you should have had a pen against Burnley. But in any case, Soufal does have a rough and tumble style, which is going to expose him to things like that. So I know that sounds quite unsympathetic and I'm not blaming him and I love Soufal, but both incidents, the you know, he had an arm up, and yeah. then and then the second one, I mean, if you are going to slide into a challenge in the area like that, you've got to be double sure because you are inviting a penalty decision. Yeah, no, yeah. You're, re- you're really inviting it. And especially if you're already on a yellow, this 
just desperation defending. And so I'm not really blaming him, but I kind of, I kind of am saying, you know, and also he was caught out of position for his, uh, I am blaming him now because I've just remembered he was sort of caught out of position Completely blind, so it was a very easy goal they scored against us. He was right he was flat-footed, wasn't he? We were caught. We yeah. were, it was a classic case of the commentators that you don't hear it said anymore. But we were caught square, weren't we? We were caught that, square, and, and, and it doesn't feel like what West Ham do under Moyes. We, I mean, we're so well organised. Until recently, you know, for over a year, I think we've all been saying that even on our off days, we are still extremely yeah. well organised and hard to beat. Yeah. And that has not, that was certainly not the case against no. Arsenal. And that and brings us on to it looked like old West Ham. It looked like West yeah. Ham. Well, that's, that's exactly. you know what I mean. Exactly. It looked like a yeah. West Ham performance. Yeah. But for the last year and a half, we haven't looked like West Ham. We've looked like some other club that's unrecognisable that we no, are organised right. and, and efficient. That's, uh, that's where you came yeah. in. That's sort of where yeah. where Jim and I were were sort of on to yeah. before you joined. Um, the, the, it is the sort of I was kind of just floating the question what's what's going what is going wrong you know um i was just i was just saying that i wondered whether uh one thing that's happening is a tiny thing and it's not i'm not you know there's no i'm not blaming him i'm only speculating is that rice is maybe hanging on to the ball a little longer because he's slightly a wants to make things happen but it's also be slightly believing his publicity in that he does make things happen because what was really good about the way we played you know in the relegate in the promotion god phil say the right word uh the survival season the end of uh, the season before last mm-hmm. and then last season was we were sitting back and hitting teams on the break with a lot of pace and moving the ball very quickly and i wonder whether actually the ball stays with Rice a little bit longer instead of being kind of diverted uh, or that, you know, people just aren't making the runs that he can find. So he's hanging on to the ball a little longer, trying to make things happen because a lot of the goals, um, you know, I was just saying were, were a ball out of defense, yeah. just lobbed on by yeah, for now. A lot of the goals, a lot of the goals were win the ball on the edge of the area, give it to Lingard. I yes, mean, yeah. Some yeah. of them literally were give it to Lingard and he yeah. will run the whole length of the field. And yeah, the Wolves goal. goal. But, 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 you know, but, but, you know what, Lingard, came, the transition man. from defence to attack, Yeah, we can't underestimate the the extent to which uh, that was all about Lingard. You know, but it, we it, was, was, yeah. it was absolutely incredible. I mean, Ben Rama and Bowen are good, but he was a whole different level to Ben Rama and Bowen. He really I was. I agree, but I think he, I think, I think we were doing that. We were hitting them on the break with pace. That was our kind of USP, really. I think that yeah, I think, I think we Noble scored that kind of goal. In, you know, we scored that kind of goal without Lingard. I mean, you think yeah. back to Yarmolenko's just... winner against Chelsea. Yeah. That was that kind of same kind of goal. Um, the goal we scored against Liverpool, Fournau's goal against Liverpool, same sort of thing, springing forward. We can going, do it. You know, we can do it. I'm not saying we can't do it. Cause, and, and clearly, it's our, that's what our game plan is in most games. You know, we, so we, we can do it. I'm just saying that we're so much more effective with a player of Lingard's... I don't disagree with that, yeah. And, and so it's happening less now, I would say, not because I think Rice is holding on to the ball. I, I thought that the big change for us was when Noble was finally dropped and we had Suchek and Rice in midfield because Noble... Yeah was awful for holding on to the ball. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Back forth, back forth, back forth. And that was the big change. 
I do think there are a slight shades of uh, Scott Parker in Declan Rice's performances this season. In the relegation season, when Scott Parker was so good yeah. that he, he he just sort of went from being a de- very similar story, went from being a, basically a defensive midfielder to then thinking, actually, no, I'm going to become Brian Robson. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, become yeah. Captain Marvel and I'm going to do everything. I'm going to score yeah. goals. I'm going to do... Ta- and I think that Rice is doing that, but I can't really blame him for it because no. he's so good. He is simply expressing himself and trying to bring as much as he can to the, yeah. to the and team. I think, and I think part of it is, is, is that, you know, other of our players are perhaps not playing to their kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah, they're playing to their sort of optimum. You know, it feels like, you know, four nows is not the four nows of kind of a year ago. Antonio just really is... I would say. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he started the season okay. Yeah, I'm uh, just pulling uh, the word year out as, a, you know, he's, yeah. the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like being quite a... Well, I think when we started the season, I was like, he is the second name on our team sheet after Declan Rice. That's what I thought. I thought these are our two leaders almost. But, yeah, it was quite sort of rapid fall from grace. Um, For him to be dropped ahead of Ben Rama, which was originally happened, I was astonished by that decision. The decision-making in the last third was absolutely wretched, I thought. I, I, I thought that... It's funny because Craig Clemson sort of made a very similar point just as I was typing it on the Facebook group. He said something about they looked absolutely kind of fucked after five minutes. And I was just simultaneously typing the type of decisions they made in the last third were the ones you make in about 88 minutes, but from the beginning of the game. Mm. It's like Antonio from the outset was running with the ball and just turning into trouble, just turning into a defender. You know, it was like a, you know, tired, it's that sort of mental tiredness that makes you make bad decisions. Final balls were just really hit and hope, never going to kind of go past the legs of the defender that's standing in front of you. You know, it's sort of... (laughs) And players not in space as well. Part of the sluggishness is not just, you know, that the pressing isn't as effective as it, it has been, but it's also that when, you know, when, when someone's on the ball, they have fewer options. There's less available yeah. to them. Yeah. That kind of yeah. sense that you're not creating the angles for passes. You know, some of the, some of the, that counter-attacking football that we were talking about, um, you know, as it was, it was as much about the few little passes that kick, kick start the move as, as, mm. as the, the guy carrying the ball spectacularly forward, you know, that the goal that, you know, the wonder goal that Lingard scored against Wolves. It's those little flicks between Soufal and, and Fornals or whatever, you know, just on the edge of the box that yeah. create the opening initially that allow the break. That seems to be, that seems to have gone <laughs> uh, yes, from yes. our game now. And I, uh, a lot has been made, hasn't it, of the sort of relative kind of sort of switch of roles between Rice and, and, and Suchet, you know, that they had, yeah. When Suchek first came into the team, much more clearly defined, Suchek was the attacking midfielder yeah. and would get into the box every available opportunity um, and score goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rice definitely was the holding midfielder. That that they're more fluid now. There's that, and when we're playing well, it's nice that they're more fluid, I suppose. But do you think Sam that it has that has, that has 
a factor in, in... Uh, at first I thought it was earlier in the season and now I sort of have come to think of it as okay you've got two good midfielders but one is world class and is can do everything the other one is very good but he is you know Suchek is is clear now the gap between them is it is a massive gap. I mean, yeah. Suchet just doesn't have the same repertoire no. of skills and abilities. Therefore, you've got to look at it and you've got to go, well, actually, Declan Rice is extremely effective going forward. I've even heard people say, I don't really agree, but people have been saying, we can play him number 10. We can play him as the central attacking midfielder yeah. and he'd be great at it, you know. And yeah. so, ultimately, although Suchet scored a lot of goals last season and that was great, if Rice wants to, if Rice is, you know, going to become our main man, he's need, he, you know, if it's a choice, you've got to give it to Rice. You've got you to have. give Rice the freedom. Then, then and then I you've got to go, got... And, and if that means that you go without Suchek's headed goals, then so be it. Because when we're motoring, Rice should be able to, cre- Rice should start adding more goals to his game and he would also start to get more assists than Suchek ever would. They're not they're not forthcoming this season, are they? So for all the fact that he seems to take games by the scruff of the neck, particularly in the second halves of games, like you know the way he attacked the Burnley defence and 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 you yeah. know uh, just went past them, you know, like they weren't there. But nothing, he didn't score and he didn't assist. You know, and, and yeah. he's got one league goal, I think, this this season. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'd say I would say to him, you know, look, it's fine. I'm I'm happy with what you say. Sam, but I, you you need to step up in terms of end product if you are going to be that I guess, effective, yeah. more attacking player. I wouldn't, I there wouldn't, has to be some end product, and there isn't at the moment. I wouldn't say um, anything to Rice. I'd be too worried. I'd just say, yeah. look, look, <laughs> do, I'd, I'd just say, do what the fuck you want. And, you know, yeah. and the team have got to learn to play in a new way. We'll carry on with this after this message. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Uh, yes, I mean, you know, Moyes is very pragmatic, but he is a, he's actually quite, I think he's quite sort of... Uh, uh, sentimental in a way, and I think that the the um, you know he's really giving uh, Antonio uh, a very long uh, piece of rope um, for him to do whatever he wants with because there is a problem there, and you know obviously sending him out again and again there are two ways that could go. He could break his hoodoo and score, you know, and then go on a little run and everything will be great again. But the other side of that coin is that we might continue to just not score in games and have a very unimposing um, 
number nine up front. Um, you know, I've I've sort of thought that the one change that could sort of happen within games is to put him back on the wing and move Bowen up the front, even if they're both already playing. You could just change, you know, you swap I, positions I all the time. He did a little bit against Arsenal. For, he did a little bit. Spells. Maybe he did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did a little bit. But then again, when we went to 10 men, you know, um, basically Antonio had to shift over to the right, didn't he? Yeah. Because I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was less clear cut. Antonio is completely knackered. The two things, one, and, and I think it's, and they're, they're true about Antonio, but you can also sort of widen them and, and they're true about the team as a whole. There's two things. One is he's knackered. Two is we've been playing like this for over a year now. Teams have started to work us out. Yeah. You know, other teams who are operating at that kind of top four, top six level, they get worked out too. But the difference is, is that they've got squads that allow them to switch things up. Yeah, we know yeah, yeah. how City operate, but City surprise you. You come up against City, you you might you might train all week and know exactly what to expect, and then you come up against them and they've decided not to play a striker. You know, and Grealish is on the bench, and that's how, how those teams are. Uh, yeah. Liverpool don't switch up as much, but Liverpool are at a level where there's not much you can do to legislate for Salah and Mane. No, you know, no, these are, these are like real super world class players. So. The thing is, it's hard. It's tough at the top. You know, we yeah, are yeah. we are basically a, a, a team of maybe 13, 14 players. You know, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And they know how we attack. They know our only striker is Antonio. And they and they probably I I I suspect that what most coaches do is basically say what we're gonna do about Antonio every week. Yeah. You know, if yeah, we yeah. can nullify him when we nullify a lot of what West Ham are about. And we don't have options that other things do. So I think that's two things. I think we've been worked out on the one hand and we don't have many options to surprise people with. And on the other hand, we are knackered because we've played so many games. Yeah, right? And absolutely. we play, and our style of play also is out of possession. We like to give possession yeah, to the opposition. we run around a lot. I think yeah. we get knackered more. Yeah. So we are at a stage where we need a little bit of a rest and a little bit of a freshen up. So just as last January Lingard came in, the January before that, Suchik and Bowen came in. Yeah. So actually, yeah, yeah. Moyes' two January so far have been beyond brilliant. You know, yeah. those are the two best January transfer windows West Ham have ever had. Yeah. Probably. You know, Lingard, there, so, there, there could not have been a better loan player, probably. Ever. In the division that year, the, but the, also in our history, but also for exactly what we needed. The team yeah. was already playing well. Well, it was definitely good, but it was tight. That's why I, yeah. I think it's just another thing that you add to the list of why Moyes is such a fucking amazing manager. We all thought, get a striker. And actually, a lot of people, I was probably amongst them, I can't remember what I thought, but it was like, why are you getting Jesse Lingard for? Two things. Yeah. One is I didn't rate Jesse Lingard particularly highly. I thought, well, you know, he's an England player. He plays Manchester United. He's bound to be good. But we've already got good wide players. You know, yeah. we, we've we've got four nails and Bowen, and then we've got Lanzini and Yarmolenko on the bench. What do we need another winger for, right? We need mm. a striker. Yeah. Moyes just goes all out for Lingard. I thought, Jesus Christ, he better be the best player in the league. Turns out yeah. he was easily... The best player in the league, I would say, between January and May, 
he took the piss. Yeah, right? yeah, was, yeah. And that, it, and you just think, Moyes is a genius. That was when I was like, but then the season, this January before that, we were going down. We signed yeah, someone yeah, yeah. who no one had heard of from the Czech Republic and some gamble from the champ- from championship. Yeah. That actually, everyone had heard of, like lots of other clubs had looked at him and yeah. no one had taken the gamble, and we did. And they, once they necessarily of- saved us. But, they, yeah. you know, so our Januarys have been incredible. Absolutely. And now he needs to repeat the trick this January. He does. More yeah. urgently than last January, because last January we were, you know, it got it got to this time of year. We weren't expecting much. I think we were already in the top six. Yeah. And we were like, whatever. But then we pushed on and nearly got top four because of Lingard. But this time, well, also it's, we are also, actually going yeah. for top four. But there's also, no we way need... we're going to get it unless he brings in two no, no. very good signings. Uh, so you do I, need to you do need to sort of, you know, like they say about the kind of duck's legs, you do need to sort of paddle to stay still. And I think, yeah. we, you know, buying someone in January, just if you're if you're sixth place in the division, regardless of whether you're pushing for a higher, just not sinking involves, you know, having to work well, very hard. The, and Lingard was exactly but, what we needed because that, he made everyone around him work harder. I, I think that's yeah. absolutely right, Phil. And I think what you say, Sam, particularly about the idea that, you know, we, we've basically got 13, 14 players there's a limit to the repertoire you can you can yeah. you can explore with those with those players, and people do in this age of analytics. You know they do kind of work work you out. All that I think is absolutely absolutely uh, spot on. Um, but I, I I I I don't know that we are seriously pushing for the top four in terms of the. I think we we need to stay top six. I think, and we yeah. need to possibly win something or get to a final. Otherwise, we are going to start losing some of these. Some of these. Yeah. That, that, I mean, you know, in the end, ultimately, uh, this season has got the end of the season in, term, in, in sort of transfer terms has got to be about not losing uh, Rice and not losing uh, Bowen. I think it, you know. And um, Fornals is another one who I can... and Fornals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, these are players you've got to be building. They're young. They're young. They're they're, they're ambitious, and you want to be building. A team around them, so mm. I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's the pressure's on. He's got to deliver in this January window, I, I, and I think this time, you know, I, I, I don't think he he can just afford just to pull out kind of a rabbit out of the hat and and hope it comes off. He has got to invest in a a striker, someone who actually plays that position, uh, can step in good enough to play when Antonio's not not playing, good enough to challenge him. Mm. Not necessarily Antonio clone. I think there's a bit of an obsession no, no, with having no. to replicate his exact skill set, which is a kind of pretty I, unique I think, one. I think that um, um, Antonio has got... I mean, who can you compare to Antonio? I don't know. I think no. that it's, it, it might be... It's, it's interesting that our number one target in the summer and that it stretched back for six months or a year before that was Tammy Abrams, right? And and yeah. that's who Moyes wanted. And it was almost his only target is all he wanted. And for whatever reason, we, we didn't even get close. But it's, it, no. it was definitely what Moyes wanted. Tammy Abrams isn't really like Antonio. No. Tammy Abrams, no. I think, from what I know, I'm not an expert on him, but like he plays off the shoulder of, of defenders, you know. He yeah. runs onto through balls. He's very pacey. And... Yeah. um we can't. We don't kind of score many goals like that. I don't think. You know. But I think with him in the team, we might do though. And, I mean, and I so think what we can I'm work saying with that. is, I'm saying that Moyes 
obviously has a plan yeah. and has a striker in mind, a type of striker that isn't necessarily like Antonio. I was going to say, like, other than Lingard, who I think is the best, certainly the best loan we've ever done, arguably the best January signing we've ever made. But the other great one that, that is a good example of what you were saying, Phil, of, you know, you got a um, run right card just to was Alan Pardew in January 2007 when we were flying in our first season back in the Prem. Yeah. We su- surprised ourselves and everyone else. And we were we were about to start in the cup and a cup we'd go on to the final of. And we had uh, Zamora and Harewood playing up front and they were doing great. Plus we had Sheringham coming in, in and out of the team who was still doing really well for us. Mm. And Pardew convinced the board to go and splash, I think it was seven and a half million on Dean Ashton. Yeah. It was yeah. hot mm. property, really sought after, just been relegated with Norwich, but he'd proved it the season before in the Premier League. There's a big, ambitious, bold signing. Yeah, yeah. A club who'd only just been promoted and were already doing well and already had three good strikers. We were yeah, not short yeah. in that department. No, so absolutely. the ambition that Pardew showed, and I remember him saying at the time, I remember reading something, or maybe not at the time, a bit later, he said, I went to the board and I said, listen, do you want to sort of just have low ambition and think, oh, we're punching above our weight. We were about eighth in the league or something. Or do you want to build on this? And he, yeah. he talked them into it. Seven and a half million then to us was a huge amount. It would be like us going out and spending 30 now. Yeah. And um, I always thought that was one of the most exciting transfers we made because yeah, everyone absolutely. knew he was heading yeah. for the England squad. And yeah. that's the sort of ambition we need to show now in January. Because if not, we have gone, well, I think it was summer 2019 we signed Haller, right? Mm-mm. So now we're at uh, and every transfer window since then, we've needed a striker. Because we even when Haller was there, we said, we haven't got a backup for Haller. No. Why haven't yeah. we got a backup for Haller? So even before Haller left, we were all going nuts about getting a backup striker. One never materialised, so we had to, uh, you know, convert Antonio. So yeah, this is, yeah. we're on to like six transfer windows here without a striker. So Moyes, for all his kind of, they put it out there, and he obviously has his people getting things out of the press going, well, he's very discerning, and he doesn't just want to go and sign anyone. It's like, look, mate, mm. you are, I love David Moyes, I think he's a genius, but he, that is like, it's neglectful if we don't send forward. And it shouldn't be, when people say Origi or who can we get us back up, they should be going out and saying, we need someone who's good enough, who's good. Because Antonio is, what is he, 30, 31? 31, right? I think. Even if he gets his form back, which I hope he does, he still needs to be replaced no yeah, matter definitely, what definitely. in the next yeah. year because we can't operate with a 31-year-old striker. And as you so say, teams... going out and signing a backup. We need to go out and spend a lot of money on getting the guy who's going to be our number one 20-goals-a-season striker totally for the agree. next three, four but years. Say, but as you say, sort of, t- you know, um, it's, it's also the case that teams kind of work Antonio out. They kind of yeah. go, right, we'll, we'll double up on Antonio. But, I mean, there is that, you know, I've said this once or twice on the podcast before, you know, England at the World Cup this year showed that there's a sort of, and sort of Chelsea and City in a way, show that there's a vogue for an out-and-out centre-forward has slightly gone. These attacking midfielders, most of the England uh, attacking you know, the players in the uh, forwards category were all kind of, you know, Saka, 
Um, well, apart from Kane, we, yeah. Apart from Kane and Calvert-Lewin, you know. Calvert-Lewin, and yeah. And Manchester City, now that Aguero's gone, is full of a kind of attacking midfielders. It's, the goals are scored yeah, by sort of Gunduan, Gunduan and Sterling and De Bruyne and attacking midfielders. Similarly, Chelsea are now sort of peopled by Timor Werner and, you know, Mason Mount, Mount gets a lot of goals. Yeah. And, and so the vogue has slightly moved away from kind of guys that you go, you know, he's a David Cross type of, you know, mm, yeah. forward who basically his his hunting ground is the other team's, you know, last 20 yards before you get to the goal. The, the those guys are is, sort of not Antonio, around. Him. Antonio's just, I mean, this is awful, really. I'm not, suddenly, I don't, I don't want to sort of, sort of slip into being our oh, bloody Antonio. I mean, I love Antonio so much. He's probably yeah. my favourite player in the squad. I think he's a bona fide legend. He's our top scorer of Premier League. He's only been striker for the last 18 months and yeah. he's our top scorer ever in the Premier League. I think he is amazing and I love him. But if we do sign a striker, um, we could either play him off that striker because he yeah. did used to do that sometimes with an outfitch yeah. and that, he's great there as well. Yeah. Or he can play it out wide sometimes or we bring him off the bench. He's three or four players. Yeah, absolutely. So suddenly yeah. just by yeah. signing one absolutely. player to compete right in front, we widen our repertoire because yeah. um, having Antonio either in the sort of number 10 role or out on either wing is a lot more for a team to, for an opposition coach to get his head around. Then we are, then they are confused. Yeah. They go, well, we don't know if Antonio's going to play today. I he might play, he might play out, out wide though, or he might yeah. play in a deeper role. And then we oh. don't know how to mark him because he's floating yeah. all over the place. You know? I, I, I think that's, Take the I, pressure that's... off him. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. And, and, and uh, you know, all the more reason why you have to have someone coming. And again, I, I agree with you, Phil. It doesn't necessarily have to be an old, an old school centre forward no. as such, but it needs to be someone who's going to increase the level of our finishing and decision making, yeah, in the yeah, box, which, is a, which is a problem. And it's got to be someone who's, who's got a physical presence because that's the way we play. Otherwise, you're just adding yet another you know, attacking midfielder, yeah. aren't you? Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on European and championship I football. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't say, know who that player is. I have is. no idea no. who this man <laughs> is. No, no, no. That just, no. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Truth is, no. I don't really follow football much. So, <laughs> no. uh, you know, I follow West Ham, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who so the, you, these you other players are. You've got to hope that, that players out there would want to come and that we've got the Spondulics to, to, to sign in. I mean, that's, you know... One thing, you know, one thing I wanted to sort of just bring bring back, and, and I think we sort of, it sort of, hanging? Kind of comes up. Hanging? Are you going to yeah. say hanging? Yeah, I want to bring back I fucking hanging. knew it, Phil. <laughs> this well, is not the forum for that kind of suggestion. No, it's not that kind of podcast. But isn't it? Isn't it the forum <laughs> but for that? Why don't you start not, a different podcast where you tackle podcast? the questions that people, that people don't yeah. dare to think about? No, that's right, and I think that's that. That's uh, it's got a place in this podcast. Uh, a really good idea for a podcast would be bring it back with Phil Whelan's, and each week <laughs> you talk about different things. You and so first week it's hanging, then it's national service, and uh, so yeah, on and so um, forth. yeah, uh, typhoid, the, the cane, yeah, white dog shit, obviously. Uh, um, school milk, milk at school, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, love thy neighbour. Mm. Punches in the stomach. That's something you haven't seen since the 80s. No one punches people in the stomach anymore. In films and television. Yeah, they're, <laughs> no. in films and television, they were always 
punching each other in the stomach. As a they? plot device, a punch in the stomach would lay someone out for about half an hour. Ooh! Yeah, while, always, yeah, the other thing was it was really humiliating. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like they'd always have two lads holding a guy by either arm. Oh, yeah. And yes, another yes. heavy would come and just punch him in punch the stomach. Punch him in the stomach, stomach humiliate him. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, you're right. It was a it was a powerful device. <clears throat> and but, they should uh, bring it back. Yeah. The, the plot device, the punch in the stomach, yeah. rendered someone unconscious so that they didn't know that key plot points were happening yeah. because they're unconscious. So, so they can break into the safe while the person's been knocked out One by the punch in the stomach. Punch, it does yeah. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um no, huge believer in the punch in the stomach. And hanging. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, we talked about... Uh, what's, we talked what about, level of crime are we just... Just real quick. I know we need to get back, but where do you draw the line for hanging? Are you, like, only in, like, serious things, like, for instance, treason? Or well, I'd like to, are you, I'd like, like to give, fuck it, bring it back for everything? I'd like to give a, you know, things of a shake-up. White-collar crime. Hang people for it. Yeah. White-collar crime. Like dodgy accountants. Hang yeah. them public. Uh, you know, off, off, you know, um, pay-per-view off, off, offshore concealment of, mm. you know, Panama paper yeah. style, you know, concealment. Oh, yeah. of... Okay. What about dishing out con- government contracts, but like hanging, hanging. Not... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That sort of white collar crime. Yeah. And we're, to- and we're talking like pay-per-view sky BT sport, like the boxing one off event. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, uh, a sort of season ticket. You know, there's a sort of, for for, for those, um, you could have a television sort of, there could be a kind of season of hangings and you could have a season ticket for the whole season's hangings. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, the thing is, I don't get the season ticket because... I'm not one of these guys. I watch any hanging. If there's good, if there's a big hanging on, yeah, fine, I'll watch yeah. it. No, but no. I'm happy to just pay the one off ten ninety nine. But my mate, he's just he is a hanging fan. Yeah, yeah. If there's a hanging going on, doesn't matter who it is, he'll watch it. He just yeah, likes yeah. watching people hung, hang being hung by the neck until dead. Uh, yeah. I, doesn't make I, a difference I want, to him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm 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 more uh, I'm, a, I'm a purist, and I want drawing and quartering as well. Yeah. Go, think, yeah, um, you yeah, you've got to go, you know. Yeah, it makes more of a spectacle, Yeah, absolutely, you need the full works. You could have tiered subscriptions, you know, like you pay a certain amount just to see the hanging, but if you want to hang around and see the extras, press the red button to see the drawing and quartering. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd have a support programme, like Big Hangings, Little Hanging, uh, presented by Russell Brand, where they'd show oh, yeah, the, yeah. Qu- the yeah, yeah. quartering and, uh, yeah. and the drawing. Does, yeah, funny yeah. things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like win, win, lose, or draw. It'd be like uh, hang, quarter, or draw. Yeah. Uh, presented by Danny Baker, I think, presented that, didn't you? You, yeah. you can get hung still, I think. For I think treason is still hangable. Hangable, yeah. But define treason. Define yeah. treason, I mean, you know. Is it really? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think that's still... Yeah. I think, I think, I think, it, I think tree, high treason and also, I think, this is a weird one, right? But I think that if you burn down one of the Queen's shipyards, right. <laughs> that's really specific. That's I'm not going to tell got... you how I know this. Well, those would have been... A few uh... years ago, I did some research into i just googled not for any reason 
I Googled what would happen if I was caught burning down one of the Queen's shipyards. Uh, and well, it came the back, docks in, uh, you know, traffic docks in Manchester and Tilbury in London and the docks in Liverpool yeah. were uh, not burnt down, but they were knocked down by unscrupulous uh, developers and hedge fund yeah. managers, yeah. which falls under the bracket of my white-collar crime, and those men would be hung. You're for right. killing the shipping industry of this great country. You're anyway, right, should Kral As and Blassett get more of a... shipbuilding. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was Blassett. actually about building ships. Kral and Vlasic. The, the team we have at the moment, uh, outside of the team that we might build through uh, purchasing players in the transfer window, we do have uh, Kral and Vlasic, who, Jim, you and I liked in the Dinamo-Zagreb game, thought they looked... You know, and yeah. coming off the bench, fresh pair of legs. I really sort of felt like watching, you know, the the amount of the Arsenal game. I was thinking, I'd like to see Vlasic come out now. Um, I agree. I think um, uh, it's a it's a kind of chicken and egg. This is it. Is it the case that Vlasic is is struggling to establish himself and is being a bit of a disappointment, considering he cost the best part of thirty million quid. Or is it because he's not really being given the opportunity to get a run in? You know, it's a kind of it's difficult to know which of those two things is the is is the problem. With Kral, I suppose you'd just simply say he's not as good as Suchek and Rice, and yeah. therefore all the while they can still run around. He he's probably going to have to have to bide his time until one of them gets injured or suspended. Yeah. Um, but I, I I have quite like I thought. Kroll was very good in that Carabao Cup win at Man United, I thought. Yeah. Um, really. And, and I, you know, he's clearly not a kind of cultured, you know, passer of the football, but he's, he's, got, he's got the energy and he's got, yeah, the, yeah. He's got the physicality. He's and, very and good confidence. at breaking things up. You know, he reads not, the game very well. I think. Yeah. But he will need someone more creative along alongside him. I, I, I've liked him every time I've seen him, Crowell, which isn't much because he hasn't been given many opportunities. No, but to no. me, he's very busy. And I would say that he should be running Suchek close at the moment for that position. Yeah, I position. agree. I, I, I Suchek think so. has not had a good season. And Crowell, every time I've seen him, has looked... I mean, actually, it's unfair to say that Suchek's had a bad season because until... You know, up until a few weeks ago, we were having a very good season. Yeah. Suchek might not have caught the eye as much, but he must have been doing something right because we were, you know, we yeah. won games against Absolutely. Liverpool, yeah. Spurs, uh, uh, Chelsea. That, 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 that bit of yeah. context is important because, uh, you know, yeah. actually, if, if you think about the history of our, uh, our Premier League time anyway, we're having the kind of season that we could rarely have dreamt about, to be honest. I mean, it's only yeah, the it, third. It, we look like we're going to have a positive season. goal difference, you know, yeah. and that's the third time. Yeah, it's incredible, yeah. really. Yeah, so, so actually we might be getting a little bit picky. Yeah. But got, I think that might make us sound like dickheads, the way that yeah. Spurs fans get a bit carried away and start talking yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and, but having said that, I think, you know, look, we want to finish in the top six again. It would be really nice to. There is an opportunity to do that, yeah. but in yeah. order to do that, you kind of have to be picky. And you, and yeah, yeah, that, you know, if we were happy to finish tenth or twelfth, which is our usual kind of ambition, then none of this would matter. But yes. I would say Sujek yeah. maybe he he should be under pressure, and Crow has looked very good, very mobile, very confident every time he's played. Vlasic, I just don't know. 
an enigma. I think yeah. for me, it feels like he lacks confidence because you're right. Oh, maybe he hasn't been given the opportunity. But when Bowen arrived from the championship, he wasn't. You remember, uh, everyone was chomping at the bit for him to start. And actually, Moyes eased him in very gently. Yeah. Didn't pick yeah. him a lot of the time, brought him off the bench. Every time he got the opportunity, he made an impact. Yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. just wanted the ball. It, when he got it, he would run with it. He would try to create. Now, there's probably a number of reasons that, not least the fact that he's English and it was probably a much easier settling in process for him when he arrived at the club. There's a lot of other young English lads there. I don't doubt that that makes a huge difference to your confidence playing on pitch. But Vlasic doesn't... He, to me, he looks like he's not... I haven't actually seen him try... He's always neat and tidy. He's clearly a very technically gifted player. Mm. But I haven't actually seen him try anything particularly ambitious. You know, it, I feel like he wants to keep things simple. And if you watch what he was doing in the Russian League... Obviously, a much lower standard, but, but he was voted their player of the season in the whole across the whole league mm. because he was a you know he was a, a player who was doing stuff every time he got the ball. Yeah. What, um, what Jacob said about him last week on the on the on the podcast was very interesting because he was talking to Croatian journalists at that at the Zagreb away game and they were saying, oh, oh God, you know they they in 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 Croatia they rate him the football writers. Uh, and, and uh, you know, fans generally rate yeah. him incredibly highly. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they, be, they really think he's going to be a world beater, you know, that he's going to wow. be, and they were saying to him, oh, no, he's going to be a much better player than Lingard could ever dream of being and all this. Wow. So I don't think that could, that's all, that can't all just be bullshit. No. You know? And, and, well, and, and, you, and, you know, Croatia's a serious footballing country. We've had a lot yeah, of yeah. stars. It's, it's, so if you have journalists to say in it, there must be yeah. legitimacy yeah. in it. And, and the player that he's he's sort of kind of breathed in the same breath as um, over there is is Modric. Mm. So um, I, I I wonder whether he's taking time to adjust. I don't think he is a kind of wide attacking midfielder in essence. I think he's used to playing more centrally. Yeah. And, uh, that, that it might be that he's taking a bit of time to adjust to what it is that. And of course, you know, in the same way as Ben Rama took took time to adjust to what Moyes wanted um, from him as well. So uh, you know, there is a there is a history of even Fornals, you know, struggled to get oh. to get up. Yeah, to speed, you know, was at least a year yeah. before he looked yeah. even decent. I mean, yeah, the Pellegrini like, year. I was sort yeah. of giving up on him. I was thinking, oh, yeah. actually, yeah. maybe he's just shit. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, he was obviously not really getting any coaching at all from Pellegrini. He was just purchased and sort of thrown yeah. out on the pitch, you yeah. know, as with Pellegrini's very relaxed style of management. I mean, I think it's it's not necessarily dropping anyone for Vlasic or Kral. It's just I'd like to see Kral and Vlasic just get more minutes, really. Yes. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, Moyes, you know, Moyes. One thing that sort of frustrated the the incredibly impatient and knee jerky. Um, fans who who were about to show Moyes the door when we had that one-all draw with Brighton last season and then lost to Liverpool. You know, uh, the his sort of reluctance to make substitutions frustrates those people. But often I think, you know, we don't know what's happening on the pitch and we don't know what 
substitutions can sort of add or take away from a game. Obviously, when a player comes on and scores a goal, we see what's happening. You know, obviously Manchester United with, with their European Cup win bought players off the bench that scored goals. But I mean, I don't know how how much rest a footballer gets from only playing 70 minutes of a match instead of 90 minutes. I don't know whether sort of giving giving Suchek a rest and bringing Kral on for the last 20 minutes of a game. You know, often substitutions actually disrupt a team that's playing okay and might still nick something. If you're chasing, you know, if you're nil-nil and chasing one-nil win or you're a goal down and chasing an equaliser... I think Moyes often feels leaving the same guys out there to accomplish that yeah. is probably the better thing to do. Even though the fans are screaming, change it, Moyes, change it. Yeah. Yeah. Moyes' attitude is the 11 blokes out there are the 11 best players we have in the yes. side. Guardiola, that's, that's you know, exactly often, right. often does that, Moyes, often yeah. leaves the 11 out till very, yeah, very yeah. late yeah. on. You know, I mean, I, mean, I think it's a shame that the Norwich game... You've coached them. That, yeah. I think he's just showing yeah. faith in himself, isn't he? Yeah. It's a shame that the Norwich game was cancelled for, for more than, you know, for a number of reasons, not least because I think then, you know, the, the first time in a long while after that Arsenal game, you, you went away from saying, went away thinking, well, that's not good enough and you can't just let that go. You can't just put the same 11 out and go again next, next, next game. No. Uh, unless it happens to be completely shit bottom of the, the Norwich. So it might have been a morale booster for the, for the kind of first 11 as it was, or it might have been an opportunity to start someone like Vlasic or, or Kral and say, look, come on, you know, show what yes. you can do. There's less yes. pressure on this. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a shame that opportunity, I'm sure, you know, Moyes is frustrated that that opportunity is, is, is yes. gone. As I we sort of move towards... That, actually, I think yeah. I was delighted that the game was off. Um for various personal reasons, because I wasn't going to be able to make it. So I thought, well, that's a result. But I think that we are in a bad place at the moment. The players are tired. You know, um, Moyes needs more. Moyes and the coaching staff need time to sort of address what's going on before it sets in any deeper, whether that is fitness or whether that's something tactical. And... um, we also need, we desperately need players back. I would say, crucially, Cresswell. I mean, it makes yeah. such a difference. We we build from the back, like, like most teams do now. <clears throat> it's very important that we have, uh, clearly it's very important to Moyes in that system that we have a right-footed and left-footed centre-back, right? You're, yeah. We have struggled to build from the back and retain possession since Ogbonna and Zuma got injured and then Cresswell did as well. Because yeah, yeah. we don't have the players you can play out. Cresswell and Ogbonna in particular on the left, I think are very good at building that way. So suddenly we lose that because Diop and Dawson, great defenders, not so accomplished. So suddenly we're knocking it a bit long. We're being forced to knock it longer. Yeah, the, They're doubling up on Antonio. The ball comes straight back. That's it. It's quite simple, really, yeah, from the yeah. opposition coach's point of view. Cresswell... I mean, what a cultured player he is. He's a leader, first of all. But also, I mean, you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Moyes says, well, we, let's go to three at the back again. If only because then yeah. we can have Cresswell and playing it out 
right? Yeah, yeah. And and Masuaku, what a liability. He was back to like the bad old days against Arsenal, wasn't he? You know, when he first oh, came was, in and was, he was like a comedy footballer. It was terrifying every time um, yeah. what's-his-face got anywhere, anywhere near him. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Saka. But you know, yeah. like, oh, do you remember goodness. when Masuaku was like fully mad and we thought it was a joke? I mean, it was borderline like Roberto. No, like, I mean, nothing's as bad as Roberto. It was Roberto, wasn't it, that keeper, where he was just yeah. like throwing it yeah, into yeah. his own yeah, net. Yeah, yeah. And he thought, fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah. But Masuaku, when he came in at first, he was almost like that. You know, like, oh, right. we went to the West Brom like, game. West Brom, he, yeah. He caught the ball at one point, didn't he? He, 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 <laughs> he handled the ball. Yeah, but for no move. reason. And then the move continued and he handled it again. <laughs> he handled the ball twice in one move. And uh, the, like, referee, the referee kind of <laughs> let him off for the first time because he thought maybe he didn't understand the rules. And then he handled it again. <laughs> and the referee I mean, went, no, nah, OK, I, I'm going to have to tweeted punish this. this during the Arsenal game. I just, all I wanted to say about him was, Arthur Masuaku is an odd chap, isn't he? He is an odd chap. He's a peculiar yeah. fellow. Yeah. That's all you can say about him because that is the sort of antics he got up to when he first arrived. Yeah. Then... He started to demonstrate the fact that he had he was blessed with some kind of incredible Ronaldinho type skill set, right? Yeah, yeah. And you saw flashes of that, and you thought, oh, okay, so that's quite good if, as long as we keep him away from the defense. And then last season, we started the season with three at the back and him playing left wing back. And until he got injured, he was really he was, good. I think he was Fantastic. like hammer of the season in my mind he was, before he, he got injured. Yeah. He was like incredible. Now he's come back and he's sort of come back to like the old myself uh, he is now he really is an enigma he is a strange bloke i would yeah. love to go yeah. out for a drink with him oh definitely yeah. yeah i'd like to yeah. have a cup of tea with him and just try to get under his skin find out what's going on in yeah. his brain yeah. yeah yeah um we should probably uh sort of wrap this up soon with uh predictions but um you know what was encouraging about the end of the arsenal game was that both rice and uh Moyes were very disappointed and very uh honest about that it that it didn't pass muster yeah jim as you as as you suggest that it's possible that there could actually be changes for the for the norwich game but at least what we'd like to see is sort of back to the training ground to sort of work out what's going wrong and yeah. how we can what we can do to fix it you know yeah what, what do you think he'll do then for the with the Will, will he go again with his? Will he put out his first team? I mean, Ariola will probably play tomorrow. Won't, won't, won't yeah, um, yeah. Um, I saw something in the press saying it's likely, like he because he did a his interview, his pre-match interviews today, and he indicated that there would be a lot of changes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. one one assumes that Spurs might make some fairly hefty changes. Yeah. Wow. Well. Um, I, it's awful I thought because when the draw I'm was made, yeah, when the draw was made, yeah, go on. When the draw was made and we got them, we were on fine form. We'd, yeah, and we were off the back of beating Liverpool, whatever. We'd beaten United and City in the last two rounds. Spurs were absolute dog shit, and I thought this is fantastic. We're going to batter Spurs easily and get into the semi-final. Bloody hell! Now Doesn't I do feel like Spurs. It's it? so irritating that. Spurs got Conte. He's clearly turning them around. And we're yeah. going through I, I, I our, our worst spell of form in over a year. Yeah. Mm. 
I think Conte might, you know, not really want to bother with the uh, with this contest because he's concentrating on the league. You know, he's sort of bought into um, try and get them into a European place. They're in a very good position. They've got three games in hand on us. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, you know, if yeah. they win those three games, they go, you know, like fourth or something. You know, they'll go above really Arsenal bad. and go above us. Um, That's so- it's actually fucking awful. It like it, it's really doing my head in. Because after the Liverpool game, we were just like, forget about Tottenham. We're going top. We're going to finish in the yeah, top four. Yeah. We are massive. Tottenham is shit. How is this? That was like early November, right? We're now not even at the end of December. And if they win their games in hand, yeah, that's it. They yeah, could yeah, go yeah. for the fucking title. Well, Liverpool no, was their first first one of those, wasn't it? And they drew it. So they have, they, they won their first one. So I think there must have only be two behind us now. Oh, yeah, 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 because um, we didn't play, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're still ahead of them. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah, he's, he's, he was obviously going to fix things, wasn't he? I mean, that, you know, uh, and they have fundamentally got some very good players. So, yeah, um, particularly going forward. So, uh, and he will organise them and sort them out at the back, won't he? So, yeah. you know, yeah, they're aware. I, I, I worry about it. I, I think... Um, I, I'm not expecting us to get through to tomorrow, to be honest. Um, predictions? I think we'll lose, <laughs> but I think it might be quite tough. Two-one. I think they'll win. I think they'll win it two-one. In a kind of, and I'm also, I, I, I'm expecting us to in, to put in an improved performance and for them to win in a really fucking annoying Side way. Wide way, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think something like an own a late own goal or. You know, some kind of some kind of dubious really VAR bollocks. Penalty, yeah. I, I just got this horrible feeling it's going to be a, a shitty uh, Christmas present. Mm. What was that cup we won in the rain with the goal from um, what's his that terrible striker we had that you know, but he scored in that game. You know, a few years ago. Was oh, like, my when my eager, my eager, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Wembley, yeah, yeah. wasn't it when they were playing? No, at Wembley, no, it wasn't yeah. at Wembley. No. It, was, it was at White Hart Lane. And Jarvis and Maiga, two yeah. unlikely heroes, very unlikely. Uh, scored, yeah. uh, and it was a late because they went added by or scored for them. Yeah, and they were they were one 0 up from much of the game, and then in the last ten minutes, we uh, Ravel Morrison played in that game, and we turned yeah. it around. Yeah, yeah, we beat them three times that season, didn't we? That's right. Yeah, three 0 over there when it went bouncing off Asdo's knee. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I suppose the thing is, we are a lot better then. We're a lot better now than we are than we were then. We've got better yes. players, and we're in a bad spell of form, which definitely does not make us a bad team. Not with the manager we've got and the captain um, we've got. Yeah. And so, actually, you know, we've shitter West Ham teams have beaten better Tottenham teams. That's so I suppose so we can cling to that. Yeah, that is that true. Yes. Um, you know, Conte will probably start, you know, Kane and Son maybe on the bench and start with Lucas Moura or something like that, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say win. I'm going to say um, Spurs one, West Ham two. Sam, what do you reckon? I, I hate to predict West Ham losing. So <laughs> while, while I do think I've got a bad feeling that we will lose, I, yeah. I refuse to do it publicly. 
Yes. <laughs> and also, I've just a little bit talked myself into feeling optimistic by remembering <laughs> times when shit West Ham teams have beaten good Tottenham teams. So I'm going to say 3 2 West Ham. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Classic hat trick. That's a good call. Very good call. Yes, and I mean we really we've been on for quite a long time. We should probably wrap this up. I mean, Boxing Day is uh, is uh, Southampton, isn't it? Uh, Feels like we always beat Southampton at home now, doesn't it? Yeah, I I I think we will. I think we'll win that. You know, two nil Southampton at home. If not, we are in a bit of trouble. Yeah, Yeah. two nil. Yeah, I'll go two one. Two one, Jim. I said 2-0. He said 2-0 before you did, Phil. Oh, did yeah. I? I didn't hear you. Yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry, I thought... Um, uh, wow. Yeah, OK. 3-1. Um, yeah, one. nice. 3-1. One. That's a traditional score against Southampton, I think. Yeah, it feels, uh, feels, yeah. Uh, yeah. feels a good fit. Um, yeah. All right, well, uh, this has been Stop Hammer Time. My name's Phil Whelans. With me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Sam Delaney. See ya. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.